0: Praise we're going to turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to pick up where we left off on Thursday night, and we called it the forge and the fire, because you need the fire of God to keep you sharp, amen, so let's get into this, okay, now just this, I need to do a quick review, I can't do a review like I did the last time I did a review spend an hour getting back to where we started. And so, so this time you got to help me out. you got, you got to hear fast so I can move fast, okay? All right. So chapter 13, and, and again, Saul's the king in Israel, and they just had a great military victory. And how many of you know that after you have a victory, sometimes, sometimes, right on the heels of the victory, just when you're sitting back celebrating, you get another attack. Another attack. How many of you know you're in a war, though? You're living in a war zone, and ours is not a physical war, although sometimes when you look outside there, it looks like it. Uh, But God is in charge. God God is about to display his glory on the earth. We've got the the hope of the gospel. We're not lost like the world out there. I, I can't even imagine how they're dealing. Well, I do know how they're dealing, like... I live out in the country now, of course, and so on Sunday mornings, the people that I meet on my way in, I don't have a traffic light till I hit over here, by the way, but the people that I meet, they've got their ATVs and their, and their motorcycles in the back of their pickup trucks today and their little trailers running out into the country to look to escape from, from a, you know, a tough week at work or whatever, and they don't know. But then I thought, well, wow, but half the church doesn't. Then I thought, no, it's more than half the church doesn't know. A lot of the church got real comfortable sitting home watching a little bit of Christian TV in their pajamas, and now they're still there, not realizing that this is a war, and the war is over their soul, you know. So anyway, so so Saul and Jonathan, they had, they had 3,000 men between them, and Saul took 2,000, gave his son Jonathan 1,000, and, and they went to war against the Philistines. And, of course, well, actually Saul didn't go at all. Jonathan went with a 1,000 people and defeated the Philistines. But then when they came back home to the city, there was a song on the radio. And the song was saying, Saul has slain the Philistines. Even though he had nothing at all to do with it, he took credit for it. And the message, the takeaway from that is found in... in Peter chapter 5, you know, pride comes before a fall. So it's not good to take credit for things that, actually in the kingdom of God, it's not good to take credit for anything because God does it all anyway, it's Him. I mean, even though it's all Him, and if there's anything good in you, it came from Him, (laughs) right? Like, you know, the famous preachers that we can think about, if if it wasn't for the anointing of God, you wouldn't even know who they were, right? So, So it's God that does it all. So anyway, so this is what took place. And um, it says, Jonathan smote the garrison, verse, uh, verse uh, 3, in Gibeah. And the Philistines heard it. And Saul blew a trumpet. And that's, when you, you know, they didn't have the radio, but he knew how to get it, get it out there. And so he blew a trumpet and threw out the land saying, let the Hebrews know, let the Hebrews hear, let all of Israel hear and say, Saul has smitten the garrison of the Philistines how bad is that? (laughs) And they went to Gilgal. We're not going to read read about Gilgal in Joshua chapter four. But then look in verse five, it says, and then the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight Israel with 30,000 chariots. Like Solomon in his best day had 1,400. So 30,000 chariots with maybe six to eight horses apiece, coming across the land, the ground would shake. And inside that chariot, there was archers, there were the the, the pilot, and they had weaponry on the wheels, they had blades that would cut the legs off the soldiers that they were approaching. There was 30,000 of them, and it goes on to say there were 6,000 horsemen. And here's, here's Israel, a couple of thousand. I think at this point, they, they had 600 people with them. Can you imagine what was going on in their minds? It's like today with all the liberal, godless, humanistic people that are out there, the church running and hiding. Because how, what can we do against so many? It's like we're sadly outnumbered. The world keeps getting worse and worse, brother. Now there might be. I got a text this this morning. There's a storm heading your way. I, I texted back and said, Yeah, it's a storm of glory. Hallelujah! You want to talk? Yeah. come on? Like you know, get out of that negative mindset and begin to think. Expect God to move in a mighty way. If the world could change in March because of something that the devil did, I bet you it surprised the devil what how how, how, how well it worked. Wow church is still hiding. Still hiding. So anyway, 30,000 people. This is total intimidation. 30,000 cherries with total intimidation for a small group of people that love God, but no different than David and Goliath. No different. And Goliath, all Goliath was, was an opportunity for David to rise up from obscurity and be seen. Now, when I think about that, I think that's the same thing for the church. This is an opportunity for the church to rise up from obscurity and be seen. Hallelujah. To stand up against the giant that's trying to flood everything and say, no. And again, like I pointed out on on Thursday, giants never, ever won in the Bible. Didn't run in the book of Numbers. The giants in the land, they haven't won yet. Read about Og, the king of Bashan. This dude had a bed 18 feet long. How how many feet wide? It was a king-size bed. (laughs) (laughs) And in the days of Flavius Josephus, they still had it in a museum in Jerusalem in 24 AD. So, So somewhere, that bed is probably stashed away somewhere right now. They sure don't want you to see it. Because they don't want you to believe that giants, that angels actually had sex with the daughters of Adam and produced a race of people. And even now, I'm not sure, you know, the Bible talks about tares sown among the wheat, even today. like (laughs) Some people, don't they just seem too evil to be believed? Like not an ounce of goodness in them anywhere. Like I don't understand that, and I'm not. I'm not trying to get into that right now either. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but look at this. It says six thousand horsemen, and the people were like the sand of the seashore for a multitude. When I read that the first time this year, I got thinking. Well. Didn't Jesus say that it's your father's good pleasure? Fear not, O little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. (laughs) You know, you look at people in this room and say, well, they don't seem very mighty or very powerful. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you are, you are, because He's in heaven. I know lives he losing heart, but, you know, he's in heaven. You're on earth. The head is in heaven. The body's on earth. If he wants anything done, he needs you. That's, the, I know he's sovereign, but he set it up to work in conjunction with humans. He doesn't do anything unless somebody prays. He doesn't, inter- he doesn't interfere. He won't force his will on anybody. But he gave you a voice. And in Jeremiah 1:12 he said I watch over my word to perform it. And when you speak his word out of your mouth, it's the same as him speaking his word out of his mouth. And you got to know that. And and you would know that if you weren't so intimidated and so inferior in in your heart and in your mind. Not realizing that you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Come on. Come on. You're all of that, a priest and a king unto your God. When you begin to recognize that, when you begin to recognize that he gave you the gift of righteousness, when you understand Proverbs 8, 4, that the king will make decrees and they'll come to pass. That's why he said in Romans 4.13, you can have, Romans 4.17, rather, you can have whatever you say. 4.13. Where else is it? Mark eleven twenty three 23, and 24. You can, you can have what you say. What you say is what you have. And so he's saying, I want you to begin to talk, to speak the word of God. This is what he spoke to my heart back in November when I moved down to the Muscadam Valley. He said, I want you to stand out on your deck and declare the Eden blessing across the Muscadavit Valley. So I've been doing that on a regular basis since then. And I've watched things begin to turn. We did it over 110 Thorn Avenue when we had a church in the woods. And Dartmouth Crossing came to be. Now, you can, are you saying you're taking credit for that? I'm saying I don't understand how praise and worship works. But my Bible says that I sent Judah out into the war first, and praise and worship discomforts the enemy. Matter of fact, in Hosea chapter 10, it says Judah will plow and break up, the, break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord, and he'll rain down righteousness upon you. See, he wants to rain down righteousness on the earth, but he needs you to know that you are you got to get all the fact of who you are in Him, not who you are in the world. But come on, you got to get a revelation. Sons and daughters of God. Whew, am I ever going to get even the hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Verse 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait. <laughs> 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 they were crapped out for the people were distressed and the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and rocks and they even started digging holes in the ground trying to hide out we call it a foxhole today but it's, but it's not a good thing when you, but can you imagine but, but we, how many of you know that the only enemy that you'll ever have is fear Exodus 2020, 20, we started out the year with that. He said, You know what? If you if you'll fear the Lord, you have nothing left to fear. And he wasn't talking about fear and trembling because you can't have a love relationship with somebody you're scared of. He was talking about reverence, reverence for the king, right? So so yeah, so they went and hid in the rocks in the caves. At verse 7 it says, And the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad, some of them to Gilead, and Saul he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling.
1: Trembling. I wonder, how
0: am I going to get this thing flowing so that I don't be here all afternoon? Let's just drop down to verse... Um,
1: let's drop down to verse um, 19.
0: Because what the enemy did... In the church, through compromise. And, and, and that's what all of this has been about. Pandemic, pandemic, call, whatever you want. I think it was really good in one way because it let us know what we really believe. And really bad in another way because it let us know what we really believe. That my Bible says, I lay hands on the sick and they recover. It doesn't say I'm spreading the coronavirus and I need to stay home and hide. It's amazing to me that the person that wears the mask is considered okay and the person that believes God is considered some kind of wrong. You walk in without a mask and they're looking at you. Because, they're, and I'm, I'm, please understand, they're, they're scared out of their minds. I get that. I get that. But we're not supposed to be the ones manifesting that. We're supposed to be the ones that's, that declare the goodness of God, say, hey, you know what? You can trust God through all these things. It's an opportunity to preach. But anyway, in verse 19, it says there was no smith found in Israel. So what the, what the Philistines did was they came in and took away the forge so that no one could make any weapons. And so without any weapons, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't even know why they had to do that. They had them so far outnumbered anyway. But now they've got no weapons in, in, in the whole camp. And so they took away the forge which is to take away the fire. And it's the fire of God that fires you up, that makes, the, that makes your sword sharp, <laughs> tempers the steel in your life. And without that, you're nothing. So he said, there was not a smith found, for all the Philistines said, let's take the, unless they make spears with it. So, you know, without the forge, that's the fire of God gone out of the church. The word can't be shaped unless it's shaped in fire. How many of you know that you've been serving God that, you know, Timothy chapter 2 says, endure hardness as a good soldier. How many of you know that hard things come against you? How many of you know (laughs) that you are in a war? It's not a physical war like these guys, but this war was told to us so that we could understand our place. They had a physical war and had to go into a physical promised land. But my Bible says, your Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, that he gave us exceeding great and precious promises, not a promised land, but promises that we might partake of his divine nature. i guarantee you if Jesus was on the earth today in a physical form with his disciples, he would not be wearing a mask hiding over on the Mount of Olives. He'd be going in and bringing hope to people. Would they like it? No, the religious, no, they didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily appreciate what he said either, but it didn't back him into a corner. It made him bolder. Amen. Okay, let's drop down to verse uh, verse 22. So it came to pass in that day, the day of the battle, that there was neither a sword nor a spear found in the hand of any of the people, Except Saul and Jonathan, two swords in all of the country, and Saul's was in its sheath. The Word of God, you know, come on, the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and powerful, Hebrews 4.12, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow, discerning the thoughts, the intents of the heart. It's letting you know, come on, and again, Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if the word of God is not in your mouth, it's in your sheath. If it's not in your mouth declaring the goodness of God in the land of the living, that it's just dormant, doing nothing for you. If it's in your your sheath and doing nothing, it's just like what had happened to Saul. He lost everything. The garrison of the Philistines went out from the passage at Mishmash. And then Jonathan... In verse 4 of chapter 14, he said there's a way between the passages. He said there's a rock outcropping here and one over here, uh, one in each direction. And one of them represents the shining and the other one represents thorns. And the, the spiritual implication of that is the shining is when everything's going right in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thorns are when things are really sucking. Everybody say really sucking. So, the, But there's a passageway through the middle. It's like there's two miles of ditch for every mile of road, but if you go down the middle of the road, you'll be all right. It's a one-way street, so it's okay going in the middle. There was a way between the passages. And Jonathan said to the young man that was with him, come and let us go up over against the garrison of these uncircumcised, and that's, that's a key. Remember now how big this army was that we read about over in chapter 13. And all of the liberal things that are going on in the world today in the godless society and all that looks so big. They are ripe for salvation. They are ripe for a harvest. Because a lot of the people, I'm looking at them riding in the streets and things. I'm thinking, young people need a cause. You give them something to fight for and they've got all this energy, they'll fight. Well, get, let's get them fighting for the good stuff. Amen. They've been deceived. If you're watching the media and getting educated through social media, yeah, totally messed up. <laughs> Somebody quoted CNN the other day. I'm thinking, well, they, they, they haven't told the truth since any of this started. I mean, go but way back years, they don't even know how to tell the truth. They want to dramatize everything, they'll even dramatize the weather stand in the middle of a place where they were supposed to get a hurricane with a floppy jacket on. they probably got a fan on them and a fire hose. (laughs) Well, it's not as bad as we expected. (laughs) But it's still really windy right here, right now. What a pile of junk, man. Do people buy into it? Anyway, let's get back. Jonathan said... To the young man that bore his armor, come, let's go over against the garrison. Now, garrison's about 20 people of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Look at this. Because there's no holding back the Lord, whether by many or by few. You and God are a majority. And if you can get somebody on earth that will really agree with you, any two on earth, touching anything, it shall be done. Amen. So he can do it by many or by few. He said, in other words, I've got a sword. There's a place where we can cross over. Let's go. And this guy, like Silas with Paul, said, okay, let's let's do this. But he says, look at this, behold, I am with you according to your heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we're going to pass over and uh, we're going to discover ourselves to them. And of course, when you read that in English, (laughs) you know, today's English, you'd say, They're going to walk over and the enemy's going to be over there and they're going to say, Hey, we're right here. We're right here, right now. Two. One sword, two men. We're here. No, but we think we we're thinking we're living by faith. Yes, I'm a faith man until something happens. <laughs> Anything negative happens, and all of a sudden, it's easy to be a faith giant on Sunday morning. Glory to God. What about Tuesday? So, uh, yeah, here we are. We're not hiding, and of course, we know the rest of the story. They, they, they went. Up, the Philistines said, come on up here, come out of and come on up here, and we'll show, we're going to show you something. <laughs> That's what they said to them. Come on up here, we're going to show you something. And so they went up, and Jonathan they had a sword, and he killed the first guy, took the sword from that guy and gave it to, the, gave it to his, his armor bearer. And between the two of them, they whipped everybody in the house. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't physical. Two physical men cannot do that. Even though it's a physical thing being played out here, God had to intervene. So, but, but let's, let's look at this. Verse 14, it says, there was a slaughter over half an acre of land. I could mow that much. Okay. And there, there, and there was a trembling in the host. See, when God begins to move uh, against uncircumcised people, like when when you read about the Six-Day War, read some of those war and the Yom Kippur War in 74, read about some of the awesome things that happened. One guy was telling this story in church. He said, I was a tank operator, an Egyptian tank operator, and we had a whole battalion of tanks rolling in on Israel and we had them trapped, we had them cornered. And he said, all of a sudden, fear gripped me to the point where he said, I opened up the lid and me and my crew, we got out and we began to run back across the border. And he said, when I got out, and looked, everybody else, the whole battalion of tanks, everybody was running. And there was nobody there. God's still God. And so, uh, uh, verse 15: And there was a trembling in the host, and the field among the people, the garrison that spoiled also trembling, and the earth began to shake. With a great, very great shaking, and the watchmen of Saul at Gibeah and Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and went on killing one another. One more verse here, verse uh, thirty-two. Also, likewise, all the men of Israel which had hidden themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled. Even they also followed hard after them in the battle. Verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over into Haven. But once somebody breaks through, once somebody pushes through into the miraculous, once people really find their seat in Ephesians 2.6 that says you're seated in heavenly places in Christ and you begin to take that authority, things will begin to turn and you'll draw a crowd. When the signs and the wonders and the miracles start happening in a church, a crowd will form. And that's God's will. And, it may, and lots of times I found that the church has been waiting for some evangelist or some special person to come in and have a healing service or do something. And the fact is, God's waiting on you. P.L. Osborne said, you're waiting for me to stop preaching so you can get healed. But he said, I'm waiting for you to get healed so I can stop preaching. And you take the word of God into yourself and you get bold and say, hey, I'm. I'm." Let's go to um, Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And again, when you find yourself in the word of God and you find out your problem, it's not a condemnation thing. It's a it's a it's a wake up call. Wake up. So Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, be strong in what? The grace of God in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard among many witnesses, the same commit unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Look at this. Therefore thou endure hardness. You mean I'm going to have tough times? Yeah, this means you're going to get offended and leave church because your feelings got hurt.
1: My feelings got hurt.
0: What I've noticed over the years, I call it the Bermuda Triangle. It's like we're in a meeting, and then there's a meeting after the meeting. And after the meeting, because I was hurt, I'm looking for somebody to rescue me. And so I'm going to tell my story to somebody that will, oh, yeah, they should have never treated you like that. And so I'm going to get some confirmation. But the problem with confirmation is it never brings resolution. And so instead of coming to the person that caused the problem, we go to get fixed by somebody else. Instead of going and addressing the problem. So then that precipitate, that goes from one, like I've watched people over 28, 30 years of ministry, I've watched people go from one church to another church to another church, and nothing ever changes because they don't. I'm hurt. I'm offended. This says, look at verse 4. No, verse 3. Endure hardness as a good soldier. A soldier is a warrior, not a worrier. That, that word endure, when you read what the Roman soldiers used to do, and it, it, how they would torture you is they would put a rock on your chest. Tie you down and put a rock on your chest, and then you'd have to breathe. That's endure. And, and then, and then when, if they really enjoyed it, they'd put another rock on it. <laughs> and if they kept it up, of course, you'd die. That's the word endure. And, and then he said, endure hardness. As a good soldier, these Roman soldiers, you remember watching the Gladiator or any of those movies, some of the Roman shields and stuff? Well, these Roman soldiers, I was reading about them, they would, when they're in training, you think a Navy SEAL is trained hard? These Roman soldiers, they'd put on their 60 pounds of backpack or whatever, and they'd make them march 30 kilometers in six hours. Six hours. We're not talking a bicycle. We're talking march. These guys were serious dudes. Endure hardness as a good soldier. They were they were good at what they did, and that was just a part of their training. So, can you imagine? I'm offended. <laughs> no, this isn't a church. I've been offended. <laughs> Nobody here, and hopefully not those watching by live stream that are just shutting off now. Uh, <laughs> you want to get turned off? It's easy. Just get controversial. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is a war. No man wars, entangles himself in the affairs of life that he may please him that has chosen me to be a soldier. And then he goes on to talk about athletes and all those other things and how an athlete will strive for mastery to win the prize. And so... We need some endurance. Bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and on the unjust. The difference is you've got the hope of the gospel. You've got the knowing that all things are working. Romans 8.28 says all things are working together for my good because I love God. And then Ephesians 3.20 says, come on, that he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power at work within me. So there's something at work within me that's greater than what's working out against me. Yes. And it's going to be exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. How's it going to work out for you? It's going to be exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. So many people preachers right now, too, talking about the last days and just a peace covenant in in the Middle East, and and we're getting ready for the Antichrist and all that. Forget it. Read your Bible. It's not going to happen now. What's going to happen now is the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as Noah's waters covered the sea. There's going to be a major harvest of souls. I mean, even in the Hebrew calendar, today is 5781. Now, I know that they missed a couple of uh, of Medo-Persian kings, and so it could be later than that. But what I'm saying is you're not going anywhere, so get to work. I've been hearing that my whole life. Paul, Paul the Apostle thought it was going to happen in his lifetime. So many people have done so many dumb things thinking they were getting out of here. No man at wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him that is chosen to be a soldier. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because in in Hebrew, in. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says, the weapons of our warfare, is that what it says, are not carnal but mighty? No, for though we walk in the flesh, peripateo, it means you're walking around in a well-worn path, you, you have a route that you take to work, and you've got a route that you got, you know, all of those things. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. This is not a flesh and blood war, but it is a war. What's the war over? I tell you, God gave you exceeding great and precious promises. He said that by his stripes you're healed and made whole. He said, Ab- Above all, you'll prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You you try to walk in health, it's contested. The war is over that. Yeah. You want to walk in financial blessing? It will be contested. The war is over that. You know, you want to walk in health, family, you believe your family to be saved and all in the kingdom? It'll be contested. It's a war. Whatever you believe in God for, it's going, there's a, there's a fight involved. It's a fight. But it's not a natural fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But you're in a war. But you're in a war and you endure hardness as a good soldier. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like you got a rock on your chest. <laughs> it's like a Roman soldier. Endure. Endure because he lifts burdens, he removes yokes, he destroys. Come on. <sighs> Whatever you're experiencing right now, it's, it's going to turn for your good. And God didn't do it. God didn't make it happen. People are saying there's a curse upon America right now. Yeah, there is, but he didn't do it. They did it. You start killing uh, full-term babies, you, you, there's, there's, there's something that's There is an action and a reaction. There's something. You, you can't do all that and expect that you're not going to get. Why? Because whatever a man sows, it's a law. If I, you know If I sow potatoes, I'm not going to get corn. I'm going to get what I planted. And so if I plant ugly things like that, I should not be surprised when the harvest comes. When you take Bibles out of school and tell them you're not going to have that in school anymore, you take the Bible out and you put the metal detector in. And then you say, what is wrong with our kids? You didn't give them any moral compass.
1: I remember when I was in school, I was... No, I remember getting a strap at school and getting a spanking at home.
0: And it didn't hurt me. But now it's time out. Whatever. Okay. No, you do what you got to do. I I, I just see a bunch of spoiled brats running around the the cities. That's all. I'm not. But uh, but you can't go in the ditch either. We're not talking about beating kids up. (laughs) I'm just saying the threat is a very good... Corinthians chapter 10. Right. Verse 3 says we don't war in in, in the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds in your city, strongholds in your mind, anything that's got a stronghold on you. How do I do that? By confessing the word of God. See, the Word of God was not for information. It was for transformation. And so the Word of God will work for me when I act on it. Again, James one do don't be a hearer only and deceive yourself. What does that mean? It means you create, you create or destroy with words. Come on, that's Deuteronomy 30, 19. Blessing and cursing, choose life that you and your seed may live. The the more you speak the blessing over yourself, the more the power comes up in your your voice. I don't talk ugly about anybody, so I'm not going to hurt anybody with my voice so God can trust me to turn the volume up a little bit, a little bit more to make sure that my words... You know, when he said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, believe the things you say when I come fast, you can have what you say. I remember thinking that verse when I was parked in Banff. And I'm saying, God, are you kidding?
1: Who can say to this mountain,
0: be thou removed and cast into the sea? I said, God, what do you mean by all that? He said, things that have been in your life for a long time seem like mountains. Seem immovable. But if you'll take my word and put it in your mouth and keep putting it in your mouth, he said in Jer- Joshua 1 and verse 8, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. You keep speaking to those things that are in your way because if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd, you'd be working on it right now. Because on the other side of that mountain is a big blessing for you. God's saying, I've given you, I've given you my word so that you, my, the word became flesh in me so that the word would become spirit in you, that you realize that you're a priest and a king and that you can change your Life by changing what's in your heart and coming out your mouth, amen. So, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. It's amazing the imagination. One time I dreamt that I was being chased in a horror movie, it was called The Pit and the Pendulum. And the actor, I don't remember his name now, Price, Price. Price. Vincent Price, he was a freak. Anyway, (laughs) he was chasing me in my dream. And when I woke up, the sheets were torn up. The bed was full of sweat because of my imagination. Now think how the devil works on you with sickness or lack or any of those things. Then my Bible says that, according to Psalm 103 and verse 20, that angels hearken unto my voice when I speak God's word. Well, there's also fallen angels out there that hearken unto my voice when I speak negative words. And so the good angels are wanting to produce something good in my life. And the other ones, they don't have any power. They don't have any authority, but they want me to say something so that they can work on it. They want me to say something against you so that they can work against you. They need my voice or they can't do anything. If the church would just shut up, it would probably solve (laughs) both. No, no, we need to be declaring the word of God, not shutting up. We need to be talking more. So so casting down imaginations and every thought, every thought, every high lofty thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of the word. The word tells me I'm healed, but I want to tell everybody how sick I am. Why? Because I'm looking for some sympathy, probably. Or maybe I'm looking for somebody to pray for me. Like, don't go in the ditch with it. And when you're hurting, tell somebody, tell some people. But when you make a habit of it so that it becomes... How many of you know people that they've been dealing with something for 15 years and when you see them coming, you do the ungodly thing? You hide. It's not ungodly. Sometimes you just have to stop people from using your ear for a trash can. Don't come dumping that on me. You're going to leave feeling good and I'm going to be full of trash. If you ever notice that, somebody will come and throw up on you and then they leave. You're left to clean it up, man. Bringing your thought life into captivity to the obedience of the word. What's that? What the word says is what's real. And now I need to bring my thought life captive. Nobody else is going to do it for me. I'll get around people that are positive. I'll keep it, get around people that are of faith so that I, that I can stay encouraged. I want to be encouraged, be strong and have a good courage. Come on. So, And then it says, having a readiness to avenge all disobedience. Just one more uh, verse, two more, three more, over in Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 6. The great book of Ephesians. When you get to verse 10, he says, now here's the conclusion of everything. In conclusion, in conclusion, in conclusion, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Gates don't attack people, you attack him. You, 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 he's not attacking you when you start attacking him James 4.8 says that when you resist him he will flee from you because he has no power over you he has no authority over you he's got no he's got zero power my Bible says that Jesus took the keys to death hell and the grave he can't kill anybody if he could kill everybody he'd kill us all here this morning is it still morning? uh oh just slipped over there's a strait between the shining and the thorns. We're going through there right now. Okay. Finally, my brethren. In conclusion, my brethren, be full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's one of verse eight. Says you, you, you receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. These Roman soldiers, man, they, they would, they would. Put their knee into the shield like this. The shield was always in the left hand. I don't know what I would have done because I'm left handed. <laughs> I would have messed the whole battalion up. But, but they would do that, and then, and then they would, and read it, read it first. Okay. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In duo, endure. In duo, dunamis. Both of these words are clinging in there together. But really what it means is to be dropped into a suit of armor. Remember he said in Luke 24, 49, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued, clothed upon with power from on high. So this fight is not a flesh fight, but you don't have to fight it. All you do is hang on to the word of God. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the word in duo, and it's kratos, and it's iskous, It's all of those authority and power words that he talks about. But notice that it's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And then, he, and then he says, put on the whole armor of God, and we get the idea that it's defensive armor, that you may be able to stand in an evil day. But the word for stand is the word histamine. You ever heard of Anna, histamine? Histamine means to stand, and, and with, with an aggressive posture, like you're not defending yourself. Every weapon is warfare, the breastplate of righteousness. He, God, made him to be sin for us. who knew no sin that we'd be made the righteousness of God. Righteousness is a weapon. It's an offensive weapon. When you receive the gift of righteousness, you'll reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Have your loin belt with truth. The word of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So having a loin belt of truth means the truth is that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. The truth is I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I got the truth on. I got it for a helmet, my salvation. Why? Because I cast down all those imaginations and high thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And I bring my thought life into captivity because I'm enduring hardness as a good soldier. Then they got my feet shoved with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And those Roman shoes had spikes in them. Nobody's going to push you back. Why? Because the gates of hell are not, are not going to prevail against you. It's you're you're going forward and you're going shoulder to shoulder and you don't break rank. Watch those movies. They link their shields together and they merged, and they put terror everywhere they went. That's that's why God said in Chronicles chapter twelve, learn to walk shoulder to shoulder. Learn to be united. Learn to be in unity. It doesn't mean that you agree with everything. It means you're not disagreeable. It means you're not in the Bermuda Triangle. So Rick has a problem with me, and he goes to Paul, looking, looking for comfort looking to be rescued. Yeah, pastor should have never treated you like that. You're absolutely right, Rick. Paul's responsibility? No, Rick, we need to to go see pastor. We need to bring this to resolution because most of the time, most of the time, it's a misunderstanding. Most of the time, what you thought you heard, you didn't hear. Can I get an amen? amen? No, but I've watched over 28, 30 years of ministry, like I said, churches all over this area that have been busted up. And I go and I see a face, oh, yeah, you used to be over there, and then you're over there, and then you're over there. But there's no change in their lives because they've been running from the very thing that needs to be confronted. You, you know, you, 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 because when we begin to understand one another, loving one another gets a whole lot easier. Misunderstanding is a miss. And by the way, I'm sharing this with you right now. No one, there's not an incident here. There's no, no we're you talking about that? I'm just talking about it. I'm not talking about it. There's nothing going on here, except God is good all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, but then he says, he says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, how you're going after your enemy is not a physical, we don't wrestle, he said it's not a carnal fight, it's the word of God. Don't matter what's going on, things are being contested in your body, things are being contested in your finances, you don't throw up your hands and say, God, what am I supposed to do? He told you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Like I remember when my kids were sick when I was, they were younger, if I could have done anything. I mean, you know, if you could do anything for a sick child, you would do it,
1: Right? well, how do you think God would be any different? But I've got to do what he said to.
0: Sympathy doesn't work. Compassion does. But when he tells me that, that I need to speak the word of God over my body when I'm sick, then I need to do that. Now, I'll tell you times. I remember one time I had a pastor friend uh, with a huge ministry in the States, and he called me and he said, I need you to pray for me. He said, this thing is too big for me. And that's a good thing. How many of you know that's a good thing? So that's why I say, don't get ditched out and say, I can't tell anybody. But what, you need to talk to people. You need to get encouragement from people. So don't, don't think, well, I'm a faith person. I can't say anything. Yeah, you can. And you can come up for prayer any time you need it. Man, I tell you right now, when I first got saved, I told you already, I, if somebody had tuberculosis, I was in the prayer line. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to get prayed for. Any kind of disease? Somebody in the back problem, that yeah, was me. <laughs> I just wanted to prayer because I knew that there's an, a transference. There's anointing that flows, and I wanted to get it all. I've seen Sundays when I had a strong anointing on me, and I went home and fell asleep because nobody came and got it. And it got heavy, 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 put me to sleep. But I've seen other times when I pray for a bunch of people and leave here bouncing with energy because people drank it all. Yeah, so...